Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debman, and I am joined by the human TARDIS, Mr. Shane Reeves. I know what a TARDIS is. Uh-huh. I'm not do you that know familiar. Do you know what's special about a TARDIS? No. I know it's Doctor Who, but... It's, it's bigger on the inside. Ah, uh, Tesseract. So, I, um... I know you don't like to talk about yourself on this show very much. Uh, okay, I'll let you just this one. So, but I have to, you know, I was just—it's on my heart. I have to share this because this is, you know, we've talked a lot about masculinity and what it means to be, you know, a man, whether from historical perspective or, or in modern era, and it, you know. Anybody who's seen our pictures on, online knows that that you're not a small guy. You stand over six feet. You, you've got a presence. So when you texted me yesterday morning on my way into an interview, just out of nowhere to say good luck, like you have no idea how much that meant to me. And it's just, it's that generosity. Like I said, like your heart is so much bigger than your stature and that I just wanted to to share that. Well, thank you. That's, that's very kind words. And you know, it's our obligation as men to lift up one another. And it's so rare. It is. It, it, men don't do it often enough. Mm-mm. And uh, but they're afraid you, to make them gay. Yeah. And uh, and but it's it's not even they're afraid to make them gay. It's just men are not geared that way for emotional support. Yeah. Or uplifting. Yeah. We're we're tuned a certain way. Yeah. And I'll uh, and, we, and we'll after the podcast we'll probably have another argument about whether it's society or whether it's <laughs> nature versus nurture. But we won't but we won't bore the listeners. Well, the pendulum with that. swings both ways. That's right. It giveth and taketh away. But, yeah, I mean, um, that, that sort of stuff is really important to me. I hope that when my friends are standing over my tombstone, you know, beating their chest saying, why not me, Lord? Um, <laughs> Jumping in the casket with you. Yeah. Take me instead. <laughs> Take me instead. Leave him. <laughs> I have a high opinion of myself. But I, hope that, I hope that they do think for a minute. You know, I remember that time Shane, Shane tried to lift me up. Shane just, yeah. uh, you know, and it don't always land, but it, it is. I'm, I'm glad it's it landed But it's always in good you. spirit. Yeah, and that's what the the intent matters more than the execution oftentimes. Absolutely. So that being said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, this falls squarely in that category for me as well, actually. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm going first. Yeah. So um, I am smoking. At, now, is this you or is this your wife? Oh, this is my wife. Okay. At the request of the wife, I am smoking a Gurkha Ghost Gold. I have talked about the Gurkha Ghost on this show a lot, which I think is where this came from, uh, about how, you know, the first one that came out was great. As soon as they got into secondary releases, the the tobacco was too young, and I just haven't been able to smoke them since. Do you want to tell the story of why I'm smoking this cigar? (laughs) Trey is paying penance to my wife. (laughs) And also, here's what happened. Everybody that knows me knows that I'm a yard sale guy. Mm -hmm. And Trey says to me last year sometime, just in one of our many Almost, conversations. No, about two years ago. Yeah. Hey, I would like a fly rod. If you find a fly rod at a yard sale, I would like a nice fly rod. Well, sure enough, I'm at a yard sale this weekend, and there it is, still in the box, a brand new Orvis fly rod. Eight and a half foot long two-piece. Yeah, case, box, brand new Orvis fly reel, got the line on. I don't think that that outfit's ever been wet. Doesn't look like it. And a trout net to go with it, which I don't know if it's an Orvis. I'm going to assume it is. Um, 
So I pick it up And Glenda said Why did you buy that I said well I bought it for Trey And I Well Glenda Does what she does And she Clicks and click 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 $370 retail on that fly rod reel <laughs> combo. <set>. Yeah. <laughs> and Does that I'll, include the case too? Because oh, yeah. I, okay. I'll, yeah, from the fine folks at Orvis. $370. Mine for the low, low price of 30 <laughs> And now, my wife, it's not the money. Right. She loves the the feeling of buying something for twenty bucks and selling it for two hundred. Oh yeah, she loves the conquest. She loves the chase, and right. I love that about her. I love that 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 motivates her in life. Yeah. So it was very begrudgingly that Trey receives this rod and reel for the low low price of what I paid for it at thirty dollars, and she said, "Okay, so the only way this is going to work is I get to pick the cigar Trey has to smoke on next week's show." So I text Trey, and he agrees to it. So she chose for you. This is penance. This is you must pay the the piper. I, that the piper will be well paid. <laughs> I, I I I do this with zero grimace. Uh, whatsoever, this is going to be the 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 world's only three hundred and thirty dollar Gurkha ghost, and I'm going to enjoy every last drag. <laughs> and, uh, well, I just I, I thought it was hilarious because again, it's not the money; it's it's the chase. You're yeah. robbing her of the chase, so you must be punished. <laughs> And this is how she chose. And it's it's all in good humor. My wife's a wonderful person, and she would have done it without this. But it's it's still fun that it's kind of um, you know have fun in life. You know, people people that see my my Facebook page and the Cigar Cast page have seen me carrying Balthazar, my skeleton, around everywhere with me and posing him in strange and unique places. Life's too short not to just have fun. Just enjoy yourself. So, not to make you feel bad, but tonight I will be smoking the brand new Drew Estate Undercrown Tin in the Robusto. <laughs> A beautiful San Andreas dark wrapper, a Connecticut broadleaf binder, and Nicaraguan fillers, and everybody says this cigar is amazing, and I managed to land one thanks to a dear friend of mine helping me out this weekend to get it, and I thought, what better place to share it than on the podcast while Trey has to smoke a Gurkha ghost. (laughs) (laughs) And also, what's the Gurkha ghost made of? Yeah, so I I forgot to get to that point. Um, So the Gurkha gold is... Uh, Brazilian Araparaca wrapper. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. The original had the Brazilian. Um, underneath, uh, Criollo 98 binder and U.S., Dominican, and Nicaraguan filler. They say it's medium-bodied and ultra-smooth. I'll be the judge of that. Um, sweet and earthy notes. I will say, one of the things that, before I stopped smoking Gurkha, one of the things that I noticed was that their their flavor profile had gone very leathery. And so I'm interested if I... I don't think I've ever had a cigar that tastes as much of, like, that real leather note um, as the Gurkha Cellar Reserve 12 or whatever it was. Um, so it makes... Just from the cold draw alone, I think that there's some of that in here. So it, it may not be wholly object- objectionable. Well, I'm I'm sure my wife would prefer that it was. I'm sure she would. Well, it does have a massive borehole missing out of the side of it. Oh, so yeah, that, I won't say what she put in there. Yeah, it looks like I could smoke this thing like a flute. <laughs> and all, but so Trey must Trey must pay the piper for his brand new fly rod. 
And it's kind of cool because now every time you're fishing, when you're catching fish with a cigar in your mouth, you'll remember. <laughs> yeah. You'll remember what you had to do to get it. I will say <laughs> it's it was very nice of her to ensure it was a Robusto size. That That was... That was magnanimous in a way it didn't have to be. She's always nicer than she has to be. (laughs) So, all right, first article. I want to jump right into this because this is an article that I think has got some misrepresentation. When this came out last week, everybody said, well, Placencia is trying to crack down on counterfeiting of their cigars, and they're putting this chip in the band of all their cigars. And all, and I've probably seen three or four articles with that on it. And I thought, well, that just doesn't make sense. There can't be enough money being lost to fake Placencias right. that they're willing to microchip their cigars. Yeah. If, if Cohiba did this, now we're talking. Monte Cristo, right. Habana, you know, okay, then I'll understand. Right. Placencia not known for the amount of for, of counterfeited Placencias. There's not guys in the in back dark alleys saying, hey, bud, want to buy Placencia. Open up coats full of Placencias. <laughs> yeah. So it's not really that way. So, But actually what it is is it's a great ideal. So this chip, you'll scan it. You don't have to have any special apps. So it uses NFT is the protocol it uses. So it, this is what's funny to me. Uh, so NFT is Neil F- near field transmission it's the same that um like the key cards to get into a gym that that you just tap on the little thing and it unlocks the door it's the same technology yeah also um think restaurant menus during covid Uh, that's qr that's a little different Um, no this was a qr QR, because this was you just hit it and it you didn't have to have a qr reader Oh, I like five restaurants I went to during COVID had that. No, you don't have to have a QR reader anymore. Your camera will automatically oh, grab it. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it, I didn't know that gotcha. they had made that leap in technology. Yeah. So the um, the the um, like the contactless debit cards or using your phone to pay for things like it it's that technology. Okay, and th- this is a great idea. So I now so what's my number one complaint when I'm looking at a cigar? Well, who blended it? Right. Now I can just shoot my cigar and know who blended it. What? So that was the first thing I thought about when I read this article was how much do you want to bet that's not one of the things they tell you about this cigar? <laughs> yeah. If I scan one of these and, and that's it doesn't not tell there, you the blender. <laughs> yeah. But that's gonna be a real Skynet moment for I, me. You know, it's it's funny. I am a self admitted technology nerd. I'm not sure I'm on board with this. I don't, I just don't get it. I think, I, I don't see, this is, this is steampunk to me. This is, except it's, it's the, the other, you prefer efficiency over stylized. Sure. And, and, and I do like the steampunk thing. This is kind of going the other way. Like this is adding digital and adding technology where I don't really think it's needed. I don't know how well it's going to land because there's not a lot of cigar guys going to scan their cigar. But I could see a lot of use for this in the the super high end stuff, like you were talking about the Cohibas and the you know the um, the T52s and all of the the much higher end cigars. I could see it. I could see it landing there because that's a cigar guy's cigar. Yeah. Well, I I think it would be also. I mean, the idea behind it is really cool. You know, 
I don't necessarily know that just tapping my phone on it so that I can get information about the cigar is the best use of it. Maybe it's just the first use. I don't know. Um, it just seems because what would be cool is if you ter- turn it into a Wonka's Golden Ticket. And so, you know, you, you scan it, you know, a box at a time or whatever. And then, you know, you go into a raffle for a factory tour or you do, you know, that was a little literal on the golden ticket thing. But, you know, you could use it to run contests. You could use it. Um, beer snobs have uh, an app that they use called Untapped, and it's where you log all of the various different beers that you, you drink. It would be cool to do something like that with this, too, where you could be like, oh, I've smoked that. It goes into the log. It goes, you know, there's well, definitely some use cases here. It's also, you know, we had a conversation a while back about putting a date on boxes. This kind of does that if it tells you the day this cigar was made. Yeah. You know, this cigar was made. So you could go in the humidor and you could hit it. Oh, wow, that's that's been a while. That's a 10-year-old cigar. I'm going to smoke that tonight. Yeah. You know, it would be, it, it has value in that air aspect, too. Well, and it also has value, maybe not from a production standpoint, but, but I'm kind of thinking about all the cool things you could do with this technology. And that's, you know, if someone who has a humidor the size of yours or, or larger, you know, if you had a bunch of these and the, the knowledge or the desire to inventory and catalog your, your cigars, you could do, like, you know, you could program, like, this is the date I bought it. This is the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then whenever you go to smoke one, you could you could use it to kind of do some inventory control to you know keep track of aging and things like that. That would be kind of cool. So this is interesting. This tin is amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. The draw is perfect. The flavor is perfect. So for the past two weeks, I have made myself slow down smoking. I have made the commitment to myself that I'm going to smoke slower, that I'm no longer going to be the fast smoker, that I'm going to take my time and I'm going to savor the cigars. And it's, it's been great because I get a lot less crooked blint, crooked um, burns. A lot of my cigar issues have been solved by just smoking slower. Yeah. This is hard to smoke slow. <laughs> I believe I, that. I want to just suck this cigar down to to the nub. I mean, in one draw, it's just it's that good. It's real rich. The San Andreas is not overpowering. This is definitely a Willie Herrera blend. I yeah. can taste Willie all over this. It's just an absolute um, amazing piece of cigar art that's going on. So I'm 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 going to struggle tonight to smoke this cigar slowly and not just down it. I got to I've got to disappoint your wife. It's not bad. And I'm, I'm saying that not because of, of the value <laughs> proposition of this cigar. It's not bad. Hey, um, Trey, Shane here. Um, this, is, this is just between me and you here. If you want a nice Orvis bag to carry that stuff in, that cigar better start sucking in a hurry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Absolute dog turd. I can't draw. It tastes like acid. I don't know what's happening here. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> just, just a little for one. Okay. Oh, back on the show. Okay. <laughs> we weren't recording then, were we? <laughs> but anyway. Please hold. Yeah. We'll, we'll catch that in post. And also, AJ New World. Three new, three AJ Fernandez New World cigars coming in May. I'm actually excited about this. I'm going to I'm going to step on your toes and I'm going to I'm going to lay out the positive first. By all means. We all know that I'm not a huge fan of box press, but I absolutely love this cigar. 
the New World is one of one of the perfect cigars uh, that that is in continued production. But I don't like the fact that I have to smoke it in a box press. So they're finally coming out with a Redondo Toro, which is my size, and it's not going to be box pressed. It's going to retail for seven ninety a stick. No, that's euro. So. Who knows? Uh, what is that? Ten bucks? I haven't looked at the markets today. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a good answer. To it. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. Well, that so that makes me revise because my opinion is, let's not make a public press release in a big deal over just coming out with the same blend and a new size. And, and I get that, and I support that position. Um, but they even said in the release, um, this cigar is, a, as a box press, one of our best sellers, but a rounded version will be a welcome addition to many um, of the fans of the brand. So they're basically acknowledging the fact that there are people that avoid the cigar just based on box press alone. Because I know I'm not the only one out there that prefers to smoke a round cigar versus a box press. So something to hit you with that you're totally unprepared. If you had to round out another cigar, what would you round out? You know, I would, I was, uh, actually, I walked in the humidor with somebody else here. He was asking me for some suggestions on cigars. And I picked up the Flor de las Antillas. And I thought, boy, that would be, that's a, that would be a good cigar to round out. That, uh, that was my, the second cigar that, that came to mind. The first was the Oliva Serie V Milanio. Oh, be nice to round that one out. Be nice to round that one out. And it'll be interesting to see how this goes if sales take off for this cigar and it kind of enjoys a new life. If more people pick up, uh, probably not because it's so good the way it is. Exactly, and that's that's what I think will happen. Is I don't think they'll add new smokers uh, to their portfolio. I think they will take people off of the existing box press into what they prefer. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Because it's good enough for me to get past my box press aversion. So it has to be true for most box press averse people, too. Yeah, you know, um, my wife's not a fan of the box press. She doesn't care for box press cigars at all. And um, actually, uh, she asked me the other night to show her some cigars. Now, I don't don't really care. Right. I can go either way. You don't smoke in your car as much as I do. No. No, and I don't. As we've talked about on the show before, you know, the key to getting an even burn in the car is being able to rotate that cigar because of the wind coming in through the window. And um, and it causes an uneven burn. So with a box press, you can't rotate it quite as evenly or as often. And it, you get more uneven burns on a box press when you're smoking in the car. I can see that. I can, I can see that. And, you know, and Pedro's told me before that there's a higher percentage of loss in the box press because sometimes... No matter what you do, when you press them, they crack. Right. It's just, that's it's, the nature of the beast. Yeah, it's just, it's it's like, you know, people always ask me, is my concrete going to crack? Well, the only thing I can guarantee your concrete against is theft and fire. Right. Concrete exists in two conditions, cracked and not cracked yet. Right. And that that's really all there is to it. And the, so there are certain things in life that are just beyond our control. Right. So that may do it. But now, speaking of switching sizes. <laughs> From one end of the spectrum to the other. Half Wheel. Asylum creates 9 by 90 April Fool's cigar. And this is a real cigar. This ain't them saying April Fool's. Asylum is creating a 9 by 90. I think it started as an April Fool's joke. Yeah. And then I guess enough people were like, hey, I'd smoke that. 
So the April the April Fools will be a Honduran puro made at the CLE factory in Donley, Honduras. They don't say the blender's name, which always <laughs> bothers me. <laughs> Fellas, how hard is it? Just for 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 nobody else but us cigar nerds, tell me who's blending this. If you know it's CLE factory, so is Eroa's involved in all, or is this just something they're getting made there? You know exactly how it would it would take. 20 seconds longer to say, right. oh, yeah, this was blended by so-and-so. And and then you'd read the name and go, oh, yeah, I've never heard of him. And then we'd move on. But eventually, I would the connections would be made. So what does a 9 by 90 say about you? You know, it. it's funny because you, you, if, for those who live in the South, there's a, there's a preponderance of people who drive around in trucks that have lifts bigger than a reasonable and, you know, all kinds of accoutrement that, that, that say a certain thing about that type of person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, pixie stick. Yeah. And so you would think that there's some translation to cigar size. I don't think it exists. No, the guys that like big ring gauge, and most of the guys that like big ring gauge, big cigar stuff are guys like me that say, okay, I'm only having one. Right. And all, but I mean, I don't know that I need to smoke a cubic acre of Honduras. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, my cigar should not entail a bale of tobacco. That's a lot of cigar, nine by ninety. That's, that's a, a baseball bat. That that is. That's a. That's a. <laughs> that's that's one of those souvenir bats. You almost need a rest to prop it on when you go to puff it. Comes with a bipod. Oh yeah, we're I'm, we're going three D print a, a bib that has a cigar rest on it that you can put on that'll hold your cigar up while you're smoking it. Huh. <laughs> Like a steady cam, but for yeah. your cigar. Yeah, Pedro is planning on making me some fourteen by sixties. Right, and I, I fully plan that I'm going to have to start carrying my shooting stick that I use when I'm deer hunting around to smoke that cigar. I, I'm going to get you a shoulder rest so that you can hold it up against. <laughs> yeah. So, but nine by ninety. Um, okay, I, th- I I hate to say it, but did you find your limit? It's too big. You found it's your limit. Just, it's just too big. There's, there's no way that's going to comfortably fill in your mouth. I think, I think this is for the cigar smoker who doesn't take life too seriously. I think, you know, I think this is for someone who can go whole, you know, who wants people to walk through the door and go, "What the are you yeah. smoking? Holy cow! What a cigar!" Yeah. You should I, see the other guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think, <laughs> you light it up, this ain't that kind of a cigar lounge, sir. You're going to have to leave. <laughs> there are children present. Um, I just, I think this is the limit. I don't think this is going to be a big hit for the folks. I think once everybody buys one as a gimmick, once everybody buys one as a gag gift to that one guy in your office. Yeah. Um, once everybody gets through that run of them, I, I would not be a... Um, a cigar store owner placing a large order for the nine by nineties. No, I just I don't see this being a big um, big draw. This, this will be a nice pun. Uh, this will be one of those cigars that sells out first run almost instantly, and then sits with the reorders. It's going to depend on how they present it. You know, if they present it in a coffin and it costs thirty bucks a stick, no. 
but at the same time, I mean, with a cigar that size, how is it going to, you know, the, the number one thing that I hear from retailers and shop owners when they, we start talking about um, packaging is how is it going to fit on the shelf? Right. And with a cigar that big, I just don't know how you package it to allow it to be on the shelf in most shops. They should see if they can set it up. You know, the firewood holders? Right. <laughs> like I have at the house. Dunk, yeah. Dunk. They, they should set up some sort of a packaging like that. And I'll be, yeah, I mean, this isn't going to fit on most shelves in the cigar store. And that's going to hurt it because, you know, a lot of shops, if they're trying to close something out, will pull it out of the humidor and put it on a table out front. And occasionally people will try and highlight cigars that way, but when was the last time you walked into a shop that had a cigar sitting out of the humidor on a table and you actually looked at what they had? Right. R- very rarely. Very rarely. So I, I, I worry that, that that's kind of some of what this will fall into. It'll be a man with no country. Yeah, you know, they had the, what was it called, the Woody that was the, it was a 14 by 60 or something like that, or 12 by 60. Who was that? Um, I forget. It was an off-brand. It was a gimmick cigar, oh, 100% okay. gimmick cigar. Yeah. It was It was a cigar that you got for somebody as a joke. It's not a cigar you handed to somebody and said, smoke this, you'll enjoy it. Right. And, all, and I think that's it. And I'm, I'm not sure that's a good move for Asylum. You know, they're, they're, they're on the cusp of not being good anymore. Yeah. I don't know if this pushes them over I was never a huge fan to begin with, though. I like the ogre, and I like some of their things like that. But this, like I said, it's, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think once the gimmick wears off, this wears off Yeah, pretty quick. But, well, let's, um, so tell me honestly about the ghost. It's, it's, it's not offensive, that's about all I can say about it. There's not really a whole lot going on with it. I mean, normally when I show up uh, with a cup of coffee to record, it it's a complimentary. My my coffee's overwhelming the flavor of the cigar. I, I don't think I've ever smoked another cigar where that was the case. That's been the problem with a lot of Gurkha product. You know, we've tried quite a bit of Gurkha product, just giving them a fair shake in the market because we do give them so much flack. Well deserved. But... That's been, you know, everything except for the Nicaragua, that's kind of been the way it is. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's not, just it's not, a big it's not, nothing burger. Yeah, it's not giving me nothing here. It's just yeah. kind of burning for the sake of burning. And honestly, that's the worst thing you can say about a cigar. That is. I mean, you know, I can't tell I'm smoking kind of thing. Yeah. When like, I finish this, I'll go get a real cigar. Exactly. Yeah. I can, I can kind of see that. And I'll but it's definitely right. not, definitely worth four hundred and thirty dollars though. Okay, well as long as it's as long as it's worth it, as long as in the grand scheme of life the equation balances out. But let's step away. When we come back, I want to talk about Jerry McDonald, leave, Jeremy McDonald leaving Caldwell. Um, want to talk about Jesse Flores leaving Mabacho. We got a lot of cigar guys leaving. All right. Well, we'll be back with that and more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm Shane. I'm sitting across from the the main character, the star of the brand new hit show, Will Trey Eat It, 
Mr. Trey Dedman. Did you see the message we got on I'm, Facebook? I'm about to. I'm about to ask. All you. right. Okay, so we'll trade it. We received this from a listener, and if I had been a good host, I'd have looked up his name by now. We'll look it up at some point in the near future. But received this from a listener. Honeycomb tripe. Do you know what honeycomb tripe is? Yes, I do. Okay, did you have to look it up, or did you know? No, I don't. And it, so I'm going to jump right into this because I'm. we made it exactly one week, and now I'm mad because... The whole time that we've been having this discussion about we'll trade it, and this has been going on behind the scenes for months now, you've always elicited the fact that I'm very picky, but you weigh the pretentiousness of, of whether or not something is sort of considered a delicacy or whatever, as well, and I've always said, no, you're stupid. Like, that's not, no. Um, but this falls into that category, and I'm so mad at myself for it. Yes, I would eat. I would eat tri- tripe. You would eat tripe. I would eat tripe. So, for uh, it, it's uh, cow's stomach lining yeah. is essentially what it is. Um, there are different types based on where which stomach it comes from and and which layer of the muscle it is. Um, as I understand it, honeycomb is like the middle layer, right? Um, so it doesn't actually touch the poop, but it you know it's kind of close. It's poop adjacent. It's poop adjacent. Um, it th- this screams of something that I would not eat, would not want to eat, and and I don't know if I would eat it or not, but I would absolutely try it because Tony Bourdain, one of my heroes, is has always said that that's one of his favorite you know cuts of meat, so to speak. I've never had it, and I've always wanted to try it to see if it really is this unsung hero of the culinary world. And this comes from Brian Phelan. Thank you, Brian. We, we, we love when you participate yeah. in the show. Yeah, Thank you, you very much. You exposed me as somebody who appreciates food just for its for pretentious the, factor, its pretentious. and I'm, I'm upset with you for that. I, I couldn't be happier with you, Brian. <laughs> but, uh, and he also said, or just honeycomb. And I, I got to think honeycomb you'd be all over. I've, I have eaten honeycomb, yeah. Yeah, I, fi- I figured honeycomb would be, a, be a, non, a non-issue for you. But now here's my question. Haggis. I would eat it, yeah. See, you're messing with my whole bit here. I should have went over this because I, I assumed you would not eat haggis, and I was going to lay out a scenario in which you would eat haggis. Well, so I, I will qualify it then and maybe and maybe give you some footing back. So part of the reason that I don't eat sausage um, is because of the casing and hot dogs being, you know, it's the casing, it's the pop. And everyone says, like, that's the best part is when it cut, you know, that's what I don't like about it. So for me, with haggis, I would eat the the stomach lining, or I would I would eat what's stuffed inside the sheep's stomach. I don't want to eat the sheep's stomach itself. I don't want to eat the casing. Well, let's say that's that, why I like boudin. Yeah, I, I, I love boudin. Let's say now that I'm I'm an official lord in Scotland, and I'll do to a great birthday present from a buddy of mine. Let's say that I get invited to one of the royal dinners. I just got a, like, random flavor out of nowhere from this. That was weird. Grape soda? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah, it was like a sweet, uh, like a cotton candy. Huh. It was really weird. That, that may be what she injected into the center of it. <laughs> um, so, say as a Scottish lord, I get invited to Scotland for a big dinner. We get to play around at St. Andrews. Okay. And you become my plus one. Is it so? So I have to eat haggis like I'm smoking the ghost. Is that how this <laughs> no, is playing? No, out? I'm, I'm laying this out. So 
We've played the old course at St. Andrews. We've had a couple of cigars. We're both wearing our kilts. We're fully dressed out. We sit down to the dinner, and a proper haggis is to be served. I can't imagine there's a scenario where you wouldn't eat it under those. I can't imagine there's a scenario where anybody wouldn't eat it under those conditions. No. Well, and it's a lot like what we talk about with rating a cigar as a one, right? It's that grouchy third world dictator premise. And, yeah, I think whether it's food, whether it's cigars, whether it's drink, you know, at a certain point when someone offers, you accept. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Yuri that comes here with us all the time. He says his oxtail is not to be believed. He yeah. says his oxtail is amazing. Now, on the surface, I have no desire to eat oxtail. Nor do I. But he's talked it up to the point that if he offered it to me, I would have to try it. And, and the thing is, I will, I will try anything once for the most part. You know, there are some exceptions. If something is tangentially close, you know, I've, I've had bratwurst. I don't like it. So I'm not going to eat a liverwurst. You know, they're close enough similar that I can say, okay, I've not tried it, but I know I won't like it. Um, but for things that are kind of outside the, the, the realm, or above the fold, rather, yeah, I'll, 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 I'd try it. I have no desire to eat brain. My grandfather used to love calf brains and eggs. I mean, that used to be one of his favorite meals, and I'm, I'm, I've never partaken, nor do I plan. And you don't like eggs. No, So I that don't. would be even more, which well, would be more offensive, the brains or the eggs? Well, I feel like they would have the same texture. Now, <laughs> you I feel mean, like you wouldn't know where the brain stopped and the eggs started? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so you're talking to somebody who's actually held a human brain in my hands. And, and I, so I know the texture. Right. And I cannot imagine any scenario in which something that has that texture in the hand would have a pleasant texture in the mouth. Okay. Hopefully it would be without the formaldehyde that this, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just, he would have, when he had calves killed, they would have them keep the brains and he would have brains and eggs and he would eat them. And all, and he lived to be 90 something years old. I mean, it's yeah. not like it damaged him in any way. And that all. is where Mad Cow started though, so. And all, but he, he was a very tough man. He was a much tougher man. They don't make him like Papa anymore. Fair enough. And also, Jeremy McDonald leaving Caldwell, launching his own cigar company. So I read this article. And the thing that sticks out to this article to me the most is how good a dude Robert Caldwell is. Jeremy walked in. Hey, I've always had a dream of starting my own cigar company. I know we're doing great with Caldwell, but I'd really like to step out on my own and have you do it. And Robert Caldwell, with my blessing, please, yeah. life's too short not to live your dream. Yeah. Is that not just the definition of a good dude? That's, you know, we were talking about earlier in the show, that's lifting your fellow man. Yeah. Before, the, the line, that, as it's written in the quote, is before he finished the sentence, I told him that he needed to do it. And that's, you know, it's, it's one thing to take a moment and go, okay, what's the right thing to do in this scenario? You know, okay, like, you know, doing that rapid fire brain math of how much is this going to impact my business? How much is this going to do? What do we have to blah, 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 blah? Okay, yeah, we'll do it. Versus just that snap knee jerk reaction of go for it. You know, it's, it's the don't ask why, ask why not. Yeah, it's just a, a, a very, a very manly, a very masculine, good piece of humanity being put forth by Robert Caldwell. Now, they don't have any details on what his cigars are going to be called, when this is going to launch, anything like that. But just the story in general, I really, like I said, it just speaks well to who Robert Caldwell is. Yeah, I think so too. 
at all. I, I really like it, and um, I spoke with somebody that's on the Caldwell staff, and it's it's not going to disrupt their sales force in a major way. They've already figured out how to make a smooth transition, so they're going to be able to cover pretty easy. And right now, Caldwell is selling all the cigars they can make. Yeah, it's not like they're you know that he stepped in there and said, okay. I know you're planning to expand into the right. you know the Chinese market in the next 20 days, but sorry, boss, I'm I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah. Well, they even said they, he he approached you know last year with this idea, so this is something that was was you know instantly approved, but then carefully planned. And I think those are the things in life that are, tend to be the most successful. Just immediately go yes. And then fig- and then take but take the time to figure it out. Don't jump in right away. Well, you know, I've been part of the building business my whole life, and it's not unusual for somebody, you know, a framing crew. You start framing crew as a tote guy. You tote the lumber to the guys that are nailing it, and you work your way up to nail man, and then you're nailing it. And then if you have the talent, you move on to cut man, and then you move from cut man to the lead man. Well, eventually through that evolution. You finally have two lead men on the job. Well, a tribe can't have two Indian chiefs. Right. So you're going to have to, somebody's going to have to leave. And there's always kind of some animosity between those two guys when the one guy says, okay, I'm going out on my own. Yeah. I'm, step, I'm stepping out of, the, out of this. Especially if it's the up-and-comer. Yeah. And because you know, it's seen as bypassing. Well, it's also seen as, well, I've spent all this time training you. Well, yes, but you were getting paid while I was being trained. It's exactly. not like you, it's not like you it worked for free. It wasn't your money. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you worked for free. I was doing a job the whole time I was there. But yeah. um, this is, like I said, good move. Yeah. Absolutely good move. Speaking of employment, Mombacho. Jesse Flores leaves Mombacho Cigars a month after he joined them. That's very telling. Have you ever left a job that quickly? I left one in three days once. That was my record. Oh wow! And I and I want let's let's talk about Jesse for a minute, and then I want to okay. actually get into why that why that is is. Um, so Jesse's responsible for a lot of the subculture studios, the culture that is Drew Estate that we talk about so much. Yeah, he's got a tremendous um, track record in the industry um, for for being associated with successful projects and brands. He's also a genius style-wise. You yeah. know, his art is outstanding. So much of what he does is great. And then Mombacho hired him. We were kind of excited because we wanted to see Mombacho kind of step forward. And undoubtedly, the reason Mombacho hadn't stepped forward is deeper than they didn't have Jesse Flores. Right. And all. There's, you know, and I think we've all been there. You know, I went to a job. And all. I got hired to a job as a CAD operator. Great company. Locally owned. The, the owner of the company was sitting right there in his office. I got hired to go in there. I went in there. And after three days, I knew this wasn't for me. I knew this was not what I wanted to be doing, that all I would be doing would be collecting a check for the next ever how long I stayed there, that I would never... I would never, it would never become part of me. You wouldn't grow your skill set. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do, you wouldn't be, uh, have the availability to do the things that people receive fulfillment for in their employment. Yeah, I knew it wasn't for me. And I just went in there and I told my immediate supervisor, hey, I'm sorry, this ain't for me. And he said, okay, well, let's go sit down with the owner of the company. Let's go sit down and talk to him. 
and all. And I went in there and I sat down with the owner and I said, it's just not for me. And he said, well, I respect that. He said, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't have us pay you for six months of training only to leave. I'm, I, it's, I actually did them a favor because right. it wasn't going to work out great for either. Now, I had another job that I went into, and it was 18 months I was there, and I should have been there for about a day and a half. But when I was hired, the man that hired me, a man who I respect greatly, I told him, I said, I will get your CAD department in shape. I said, when I come in this business, I'm going to change your CAD department. You're going to support me. Was that a lesson you learned from the previous? Yeah, well, it was a lesson I've learned just over time. And I, I just I, wasn't sure how close they were together. Oh, no, they were, uh, they were four or five years apart. Oh, okay. And I went in there, and I told him, I said, here, you know, before I started the job, I said, okay, you're interviewing me, and I'm interviewing you. The only way this is going to work is here's where your CAD department is. Here's where I can take your CAD department. I will commit to you. I will take your CAD department there if you will support me in taking your CAD department there. And he did. He was good to his word, so I had to be good to my word, even though there was a lot of factors that made that an unenjoyable job, made it just not I, I, just a miserable time to be there. That was the job where you learned about cow milking time, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and... Um, just uh, now that now I've got to tell the story, now. and I'll, um, I went into the owner's office one day and I said, "Okay, here's here's the problem. I have so much to do in a day's time. I'm having trouble getting this all done." And he said, well, "I'm gonna tell you a story about milking the cows." And I said, "Okay." He said, "Dairy farmer gets up in the morning. He's got a tractor that needs fence. He's got a fence that needs mended. He's got shots that need to be given. He's got a thousand things on his list to do, but he don't make no money." he milks the cows. He said, so every morning I want you to come in here and I want you to milk the cows for whatever time. He said, you set the amount of time you need to milk the cows around here. He said, and I want you to come in here and I want you to milk the cows. And if anybody tries to interrupt that you that time, you tell them, I'm milking the cows. You'll have to come back. He said, and if they come to me and complain about you not responding to them, I will stand behind you that I have told you this is time to milk the cows. That's leadership. That is. That's good leadership. And, uh, and he was a great guy. I have a lot of respect for him. His partner's not so much. But him, I had a tremendous yeah. amount of respect for, really liked. And uh, um, I've always said it's the best job I ever hated. And uh, it just was not um, a great job. But that's a situation. I made a commitment. He made a commitment. He honored his commitment. There was no way I could not honor my commitment. Right. No, and, and I, I feel that in a, in a deep way. Um, you know, it's, it's funny... The, the shortest stint I've ever had uh, was about three months. And that was one of those where I knew from, I knew from the outset that it wasn't going to be a good fit. But I tried to force, I was dealing with some other things in my life at the time that I was just not having a job or, or trying to make a switch quickly wasn't really in the cards. And it was also the only job I've ever not given notice. And that, that, that troubles me because that you talk about kind of commitment, you know, the, the social contract thing, you know, we've kind of assumed a certain level of as an employee, you give at least two weeks notice, you know, granted, I've only been there three months. So it's not like there was a whole lot of like changeover that needed to be done, but it, you know, like so much in life, it's, I wish more employers would listen to their employees when they say, 
hey, this is not a good fit. Right. Because if you think about what it takes for an employee to to take that bull by the horns, because if, if you think about it, if you're the kind of person who finds yourself in traditional employment where you've got a boss, a resume, you have to interview, blah, 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 your reputation doesn't precede you, I mean, then any gap in employment does not look good to you. Whereas as a business, having, a, having someone step into a role for three days and then bounce doesn't affect somebody else's ability to want to work for you or doesn't affect your appearance at all, except for the, you know, the handful of people that knew the guy that said, peace out after three days. So for an employee to put their prospects on the line and to come to you in you know, two weeks or a week or a couple of days or a month and say, I'm out. Like that, that should, number one, listen to that person. Let them go. Don't try and convince them to stay. And two, man, take a look inward. You've got some cracks in your foundation of your organization. You've got, well, it can, and it doesn't have to be in the foundation of your organization. It could just be in the, the training of the new people. Which, which to me is a fundamental aspect. You know, when you set out to own a business that employs people, you know, you have to, it kind of goes back to that social contract. I mean, with, the, with very few exceptions, one of the things that you agree to when you hire somebody is to give them the tools necessary to do their job. Whether that's making sure they have a place to park, a computer if they need it that works, you know, to do all, the, you know, whatever it is. So, and, and training is a big piece of that. You know, someone walks into a, an organization and they're expected to kind of sink or swim and figure it out on their own. Well, unless that was ext- expressly stated, I think that's a failing of your organization. Yeah. You know, I use AutoCAD to draw. It's the most widely used program in the world. Right. But AutoCAD is just a pencil at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The knowledge you use to draw with AutoCAD makes the difference. It doesn't do anything that you don't tell it to do. And everybody has their own method for using AutoCAD and their own ways for using it. And if your company, the way they use AutoCAD is not the way that, you know, you want to use AutoCAD, then, you know, and another company that actually tried to hire me, I went and interviewed with these guys and the owner of the company was there. The owner of the company interviewed me. He shook my hand. He said, here. He said, hiring. And also, I walked out of there assuming I'm hired. A week goes by, I hear nothing. Two weeks go by, I hear nothing. Three weeks go by, I've got another job. Right. A month and a half later, the guy that interviewed me, not the owner, but the guy that interviewed me called and said, hey, all right, we're ready to get you to work. I said, you must be out of your mind. I said, it's a month, a month and a half since we've interviewed you never even called me and said, hey, we're trying to get this together. We're trying to get that together. You never even made any contact with me. And now you expect me to drop what I'm doing and come to work for you. That speaks so much of your company that I consider it a great blessing. I consider you've done me a favor in my life that you never did call me back. Right. And all because because to me, when the owner of the company looks at you and says, hire that guy, you know what you do? You so hire. when can you start? Yeah, you, you go and you sit down and you say, here's what the position pays. Is, is this going to be yeah. able to hire you? Can you fill out a 9-9 before you leave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you start tomorrow? Is tomorrow too soon? And, uh, the you know, so it, do, it does, the hiring process is really interesting because it does tell you everything you need to know 
about the company. And mm-hmm. that's what I've told, you know, my wife has gone through this. I've advised some friends on this when they were interviewing with jobs. And I said, the quicker you go into an interview and the employer feels like you're interviewing them, then they're interviewing you, the more likely you become to get that job. Yeah. Because there, there's nothing like the stink of failure to drive somebody away from you. And all. if you go in there and you're kind of, oh, I can learn how to do that, or oh, I might figure that out, or oh, I can, you know. If you go in there and say, okay, you tell me why I need to be here. Yeah. And I'll, I want to bring something to the table. You show me what, I know what I'm bringing to the table. You've got my resume. I want to know what you're bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah. Why should we hire you? Why should I want you to hire me? Right. Why should I want to be here? Why should this be that that way? And um, it makes a huge dis. And it's not even a power struggle thing. Too many times I've told people that, and they think it's kind of a power move. It's not really that. It's just it's the way it should work. It's what it is. It's boundaries. If you show up, and this is a big thing for people who work in a corporate environment. You know, there's a there are a lot of companies out there who don't understand the concept of boundaries. You know, whether that's um, whether that's how you're communicated with, maybe it's the amount of after after hours work you're expected to do, um, any number of things. And some companies take advantage of people in that regard of like, well, you're in the door, like this is what we expect of you now, just do it. But if you go into an interview and say, no, what's culture like? Mm-hmm. How you know how are you know, how many times am I going to get a call at 8 p.m. and have to, you know, walk away from the Little League game and do something, you know, or and that puts it in their mind of like, oh, this guy is going to hold us to our commitments. And if it's a company you want to work for, then that's a good thing. Well, you know, I my, my sales pitch is constantly being revised. Most of my work comes from word of mouth. I'd say 98 percent of my work comes from word of mouth. People say, I need a plan, and I've been doing it long enough. People say, you need to call Shane. Yeah. And I've added, you know, two things to my to my sales pitch that have benefited me greatly. And that not, in, not necessarily even in capture rate, but just in overall quality of life, quality of employment. One thing I say to everybody when we start, and they say, because the guy that always calls and says, what's your price first before I tell him what I can do? I say to them the exact same thing every time. Hey, if you're just looking for somebody to draw a house, you'll find somebody cheaper than me. And I'll, here's my price. And if you're looking for somebody, if you're buying based on price, it's just a race to the bottom, and it's I don't do me. that. That's yeah. not my service. Now, if you want my service, here's what my service is. And I lay it out to them what I do. The last And the last thing I always say to a customer before we hang up is, the first meeting's free. We're going to sit down, we're going to talk, and I don't draw every plan that walks in this office. If we sit down and you and I don't G-Haw, then I'm going to tell you that. And I'm going to be very brutally honest with you and say, I don't think I'm the man for this position, for your job. I don't think I do what you want, and we'll shake hands and part as friends. And 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 I say that at the end of every single sales pitch to everybody that ever does. And I'll, and some people and the people that that turns away are not customers I wanted. Right. You know, the the guy that wants me to race to the bottom on price and the guy that wants me to just do whatever they say 
um, is not there now. I don't use that as an excuse not to expand my skills. Right. You know, there's times I tell people on the front end, hey, this ain't really what I do, but I love a challenge, and I love that your. I think your project is going to offer some challenges that will help me grow. And at this point, you know that you're jiving with the person. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to work well together. So it's worth me investing the, the learning energy. I only G-haul. I don't jive. I think you should know. I'm, I'm, I'm a strict G-hauler. There That's is no fine. jive in my life. I'm, <laughs> I'm strictly a G-hauler. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's, yeah, no, I think that speaks highly of, of anybody who kind of knows you know, what their worth is, what their value is, and communicate that in a way that it makes sense to others. Well, and I think it's worth, you know, if it's going to be miserable, because let me tell you something. By the time I'm done drawing your house, the only person that knows your wife better is her gynecologist. I've just, it's it's such a personal, in-depth thing to design a home for someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Trey had to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, took my mind off the cigar, though, so that was nice. Um, this thing has taken a, a turn south. So um, The conversation or the cigar? The cigar. Oh, okay. uh, the conversation has literally turned south there for a moment. Uh, no, I, yeah, well, it's also, you know, it goes back to the whole, you know, 20% of your customers present 80% of your problems. So if you, you know, if you don't cut that 20% loose, then you're opening yourself up to an even more imbalance. Yeah. And so I think it's just, you know, it's not cigar related, but I thought it was fun to kind of talk about that and all the, the, different, the, the different aspects of employment because it is a big part of your life. I mean, how else are we going to afford these cigars? Exactly. No, like, except I, for that I, Gurkha I, Gold, they just throw those to you as I, you I walk feel by. Like, <laughs> I feel like everybody has a has a sub four month employment story. I think so. I think I think that would be and all if you want to message us and all and tell us yeah, that. What's that w- the quickest you've ever quit a job? Right. How quick did you know this is not where I need to be? Yeah. How quick when and was it divine inspiration? Was it just an overwhelming sense of dread? Was it misery in being involved? No, I did And the other the caveat to that, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. The caveat to that I also want to know, were you wrong? Oh, that's a good one. Did they ever, did they ever show you, okay, the road you're on is not the road we want you on. Let's put you on the road we want you on and see if you like it. Yeah. No, I will say I did quit mid-interview one time. I did just walk out of an interview. So, and it was one of those, it was, you know, I was, I was kind of fledgling in sales at the time. And so, of course, there's tons of marketing positions that are really just door-to-door salesman jobs, and they you know they hire everybody because no one makes it more than four weeks. They're anyway. playing the numbers. Yeah. So I consider that because, and the, of course, the the second interview is you shadowing for a day, right? And I got about halfway through that day, and that was only because, of course, they make you ride with the guy, and right. I was, and it, because I'm such a I'm such a non-confrontational person. That I was like, that I didn't want to cost this guy because I know those places are cutthroat and he's being judged on his numbers. And if he has to drive 20 minutes back to take me to my car, I'm going to mess his life up. So I couldn't do that to him. But what, but when it came lunchtime, I said, we're not getting lunch. Take me to my car. Yep. I, I, was, I was turkey hunting with a guy like that one time. We went turkey hunting together. And by 10 o'clock, I just looked at him. I said, listen, bud, 
the way you hunt and the way I hunt, you may kill a thousand more turkeys in a year than I'll ever see, but I'm not paying this price. Right. <laughs> at all. So, yeah, there, there, is an, there is an element to that, to knowing yourself and knowing yeah. when to call it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about it. Knowing when it's over is, is absolutely one of the most important things you can know. And I'll, but okay, so rate it. The first half was a four and a half. It was, it was all, I mean, it was, it was smokable. It was, man, something happened when I hit halfway on that cigar. And now my tongue is coated with this fuzz and it turned bitter, but not in a good way. This is bitter like broccoli, not like dark chocolate. And yeah, and it just—it's sticking with me. It's—it's like—it's like I took a bite out of a piece of charcoal. Ew. Yeah, it's—it—it it took a nasty turn. That's a, a David Flincher film. It just went. Woof. Well, Fincher. I don't pass these out like they're candy, but this is a seven, man. The ten is a one hundred percent seven. And I think you expected that. Well, I'm smoking it in the Robusto. Right. I'll be interested to smoke it into some of the larger sizes and I'll, and see if it holds that seven. But right now, man, this is a seven all day long and twice on Sunday. This is just absolutely knock my socks off. I now understand. Thank you, Drew Estate. I've been complaining that you haven't knocked my socks off in a while. You've knocked my socks off. Can't can't heap enough praise on them. That's awesome. Oh, so to finish, I I would give the final rating on that about a two. I would still, I'm I'm not I'm not choosing the firing squad over that cigar, but I I don't I'd rather not smoke than smoke another one of those. Um. Okay. So for a real nice fly bag, would you smoke another one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have a new mission for yard for yard sales. Hey, Our new hey, yard sale mission has become that is that is the best four hundred and thirty dollars cigar I've ever had. <laughs> well, all right, Trey, tell them how to get a hold of us. You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast, email info at the cigarcast.com, and Facebook and Twitter at the uh, nope Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast. Thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.